three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? It's Ian with Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0. And I figured I would do a special bring back. Since I put up in the description of stuff I talk about in my podcast, which would be my MMA podcast. I figured I would bring that back. I'd bring back the segment. I know I was like, God. 50 to 70 episodes and something like that. I know I was doing it like twice a week. Like it was legitimately a lot. But I loved it. If there's anything I love more than comic books and toys and movies and stuff like that. It's talking about mixed martial arts and combat sports in general. And in my opinion like that's been my favorite thing to do. And that's why I love bringing back the MMA podcast. So as most people do know for the past, you know, week, we've had three UFC events. You had UFC 249, Teixeira versus Smith, and Harris versus Overeem. And to me, overall, I felt as though all three fight cards were great from beginning to, from the first fight to the last fight. I felt like every fight did really well. Now, I will say, of the three cards, if I was going to tell anybody to watch any of the three cards and really be picky about it, I would say UFC 249, hands down, the best card. Because it's been the, be- it's the best card of the year. Like, if there was a money, people I would tell, like, hey, put your money down for pay-per-view, that was the card. Like, I put it down, I loved it from the first fight to the main event. I thought every fight was amazing. So, that just hands down, of the three cards, that's my favorite. But I think all three demonstrated how combat sports can be the sport that comes back first during what's going on right now. And in my opinion, it's the best. I think it is a demonstration of just how great it is. And to me, I felt like all the fights were amazing. Like, they they each... Did really well to keep fans' interest. Whether it's from a casual fan to the most hardcore of the fans. Now, were there some like slightly lackluster fights? Yeah. But I felt like overall, every fight was great. You could tell everybody was bringing it. There was not one person that was not one to do it. From beginning to end. So, what I'm going to do, instead of trying to go over each card from beginning to to end, I'm going to go over the bigger fights from each of the cards. This way, in case people are like, oh, hey, what's in case you didn't watch it, or you haven't had time, or if you've been like, hey, I which fights do you feel like more people should really rewatch? And I will talk about, there were... Three fights I felt as though that were controversial decisions in a lot of ways. So the first one to me was Pettis versus Cerrone. Second is uh, Song versus Marlon Marlon Vera. And the last one is Claudia Gedalia versus Angela Hill. I'm going to talk about those three fights in particular due to the fact that they were... You can argue they were robberies towards the uh, towards the loser. And you really can't argue that. 
Now, I'm going to talk about them because those are the three most closest fights. But I'm going to save those for more for... Actually, I'm going to talk about them now. Instead of pushing them back, I'm going to talk about those three fights first. And then after that, I'm going to pick the top three fights of each of the cards. And just talk about them in general. And just kind of go through it just normal. And then where I feel like the person should go next for a fight. Stuff like that. Just kind of giving my opinion. Just having fun with it. So let's start off with Pettis versus Cerrone. Honestly, I thought the fight was at 55. But when I found out they weighed in at 70, I was like, yo, I like it even better. Because it's both of them fighting at their natural weights of 170. And to me, I felt like it it was a great fight for the two of them. I do feel as though Cerrone won the fight with rounds two and three. But I can also see where Pettis did what he had to do in rounds one and two. Because round three clearly had to be Cowboy. You can argue round two could be lean more. You can... Round two was more even between the two of them, while round one was more Pettis, round three was more Cerrone at the end, because Cerrone pulled it back. Even though I felt like Pettis did, had some action in round three of the three-round war between him and, between Pettis and Cerrone, I definitely feel like at the end of the day, I think Cerrone should have taken it, but I also have to understand, you know, at the end of the day, it is a harder thing where you can say, oh, well, judge should have seen it this way, should have seen it that way. End of the day, it was a close fight between two stand-up fighters. You know, I feel like Cerrone took it, but then again, I can also run it back to Cerrone versus Benson Henderson when they fought in the UFC for the first time, not when they fought in WEC but when they fought in the UFC for their welterweight fight. And I felt as though, for me personally, Benson got robbed of that. Because clearly Benson won that fight for the first two rounds. Cowboy just, you know, he got the third in there. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll give it to him. But, you know, it's kind of can be... Crappy judging can happen. I'm not about to defend it. But... For this case, it was really a pick'em fight for the two of them. I feel like if it was a five-round war between the two of them for welterweight, I feel like Cerrone would have taken the fight. But because it was three rounds, and Cerrone, for people who watched that fight, from the first second, he was he was go. So nobody can be like, oh, well, Cerrone wasn't in it. He wasn't in it. Like, nah, you could tell. Him and Pettis, they were like, no, we're, we're going for this. And you could tell they sl- they were slinging leather. The shots that Cerrone took from Pettis and that head kick that Cerrone hit Pettis with, they were hitting each other with everything. So, and, like, they're friends, but they also were like, I need this win. And they both, in my opinion, legitimately show they're still best of the best. And... In the day, that really it just unfortunately <clears throat> unfortunately decision did favor Pettis, and even though I do feel as though Cerrone won it, 
striking wise I can see where you know the more effective striking would go towards Pettis so I'm going to kind of leave it there at the end of the day the fight happened you know unfortunately you're on the wrong side of a razor razor thin decision so that that's just the first one and that one so that's the first of the three fights the next one is Marlon Vera versus Yadong Yadong Song and to me personally I felt like Yadong Song did better with the striking and this was last night so Claudia Gadelli versus Angela Hill and Yadong Song they were last night's card for Walt Harris versus Overeem. So for people who haven't watched that yet, you guys will watch it. They're good fights. But unfortunately, the decisions were, I felt like, were not in the favor of who it should have been. I feel like Yudong Sung had great striking. He was definitely the stronger, more powerful puncher. But I felt like, at the end of the day, Vera was getting him with the more effective strikes. And the takedowns, to me, I felt as though lean more in the favor of Vera. Now, looking at that from an outside looking in, I can see where you can argue that when Vera got the takedowns, he really didn't do anything with him. He held him there, and Song got back up. If you watch the fight, really, Vera did not... He wasn't properly controlling Song as well as he could have. Now, to me, people have been, if you think about that, that's pretty much the perfect thing for a striker right there. To have judges, they'd be like, hey, this guy took him down, but he didn't do anything with it. And ultimately, that people should be kind of a little more excited. The fact that you actually had some judges that were like, yeah, they took the guy down, but effectively, those takedowns really didn't mean much. Now, ultimately, you can argue that you know, you have some judges that'll favor, oh, because he got the takedown, you know, that looks better than a than a knockdown, and so on and so forth. Like you can argue that a lot. But when I looked at who was the more effective fighter who mixed it up better, I felt like overall Vera did take that fight because of the takedowns, because even though Song got back up, Vera was still getting them. And he showed he could do it. You know, when they were in the clinch, Vera was catching him with elbows. You know, Vera was taking some big shots. But of the two, I felt as though Song was wearing the damage a little more than Vera was. But that's just me. End of the day, I'm not the person judging the fight. And at the end of the day, you know, like most fighters say, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Because if you do, it's 50-50. You don't know what they're seeing. But overall, I did feel as though, for me, Marlon Vera took that fight, but the fight was also at featherweight. So it wasn't actually at their actual weight that they normally fight, which is for both of them, bantamweight. Which, to me, I'm not mad at. And to me, I've actually liked some of these fighters fighting at heavier weights because the fights were so quickly to be made. To me, I felt like that's probably been the turning point of something that I feel as though very soon, probably the next couple years, could be pushed in the UFC. To really, for most people to really think about it, for hydration tests, 
to take over weight cutting. Now, you can argue that, and to me, I think that's something that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And for guys fighting at their more natural weight, I think it's more beneficial. They're able to be healthy, train properly, and able to really sustain a better, longer fight career compared to people who they cut a lot of weight and it's just, it messes them up. But I've done that podcast. I've gone in on the subject of hydration tests versus weight cutting, all that stuff. I'll probably end doing a quicker refresher for some people at some point with another MMA podcast. But for right now, I'm going to kind of hold off on it. But that's a great example of a fight with two guys fighting at the natural weight, same as Anthony Pass and Cerrone. So, overall, like I said, I feel like Vera won the fight. I felt like he was the more effective striker, grappler, and mixed martial artist in the fight. But at the end of the day, Song, you know, he was being the better, more power puncher. Marlon Vera's takedowns weren't really keeping him down. Song was getting back up. And you can argue that as overall something that's on Vera to change to make sure when you take somebody down that you effectively take advantage of that takedown. Now, it's easier said than done. So... That's that fight. Now let's talk about Claudia Gadelia versus Angela Hill. First round, I felt as though Claudia had that round. That was definitely her round. Second round, Angela Hill, in my opinion, the knockdown, she was getting the better of the striking. I felt like overall, Angela was the better fighter of the two. Once the second round hit, Angela had another gear when she got that knockdown. She was like, yo, I can take her. The third round, I feel as though Angela Hill did more effective striking and won that fight. Claudia looked more labored in her striking. Even Paul Felder and Michael Bisping, they noticed that. She wasn't throwing strikes effectively like she could. She was looking gassed. Like, she wasn't looking as, you know, like the the world beater, dominator, grappler like she could be. And I'm a big Gedalia fan. Like, I like her as a fighter. I think she's a great women's fighter. I think she does really well with what she can and what she's able to do. But I felt like Angela Hill, in my opinion, took that third round. The striking was more effective with Angela Hill than it was with Gedalia in rounds two and three. And in my opinion, I feel as though Hill did get robbed. I feel like Gedalia lost the third round. She literally, her best round was in round one. After that, she slowly was getting pieced up more and more. Even though Gedalia probably was hitting with the heavier punches, Hill wasn't showing it. You know, Hill was catching with elbows, catching with knees. She was literally putting on a... A good striking crank to show how effectively good she's getting when it comes down to her stand-up. And she did a Joe Rogan MMA podcast not too, too long ago. Probably, shit, I can't even remember the fight, her last fight off the top of my head. But, you know, she showed up. Like, she effectively, 
is just a beast. And in my opinion, she's just one of those, she's, in a lot of ways, she's a workhorse at 115. Like, she's always in shape, she's always ready to go. So, for me personally, this is the harder fight for me to really rationalize how Gedalia really won it. But I'm going to have to wind it back to really think, well, let's think about the fight. Round one between her and Hill, Gedalia was getting the better of the striking. She was a more powerful striker. When she wanted to take Angela Hill down, she really could. The first round was her best. Second round, she got knocked down. Angela Hill was like, I'm going to beat her up. And she goes, hold on. There are coaches like, no, get back. Let her stand up. Which, in my opinion, was the smartest move she could have done. Because if she went in there and guard and started just trying to hammer fist her, she was going to catch an armbar. Kaja is just, she's too good at jujitsu. She's too quick. And Angela Hill, unfortunately, her ground game is still evolving. Because she's still young in the sport. For as many fights as she's had, she's still developing as a fighter. And overall, her coaches made the right choice. Yadelia did recover. But overall, Angela took round two. Round three, I guess I'm looking from a judge's standpoint... Gedalia was able to be the bigger bully, control the center of the octagon. Angela was always kind of just backwards. In some sense, she was able to go forward a little bit, but Claudia was always the center line. And they, it was just, to me, Hill clean, just her striking was more effective. You know, the elbow she caught. Gedalia with in the second round that got her right in the eye. That was that was smart. That played against her. That played against Gedalia. And to me, it was just effective. So, I guess from a judge thinking about it, I guess power and control would have to lead, lean a little more with Gedalia at the end of the round, the third. But at the end of the day... I still feel as though he'll won. So, then what's the statement we always say? Don't leave him in the hands of the judges. Because you have 50-50 chance you get screwed out of the fight. Now, they're all three great fights. I suggest people watch them and check them out for themselves. Give their own opinions. Really watch them and review them for themselves. Because at the end of the day, that's the sport of MMA. That's what you should be doing. And you need to be watching the fights. So, that's, to me, that was the fight to watch. That was the three razor close decisions. Alright. So, let's start looking at... Okay. So, you've got Vicente, Luque, Nico Price, and... So, I'm going to start with 249 as the best fights of... 249. So Vicente Luque versus Nico Price, that was a war. If you want a great fight, that's the fight. That's one of them. You know, Cerrone Pettis is a great one. Olenek Verdum is a good one. But, whew, Vicente Luque and Nico Price, it's a rematch. 
But good lord, they they were hitting each other with everything they had, man, and it was it was to me worth it, worth checking out. Uh, Greg Hardy versus DeCastro. Fight wasn't bad. DeCastro definitely. If there was fight on the main card, I felt like that was that really showed Greg Hardy's of evolution. This was the one. Greg Hardy's getting better. Now, he did take advantage of a guy who did mess up his big toe when he got a kick checked. But, you know, Greg Hardy's still growing. And I'm pretty sure I've already told my piece on it with that. And I'm going to leave it at that. Whether you like him or hate him, he's evolving as a mixed martial artist. Let that go. Then you have Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. That was a barn burn. So this one's probably going to be legitimately Vicente Luque and Ypres Price, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, Francis Ngannou, Rosenstrike, because that's only 20 seconds, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz, and Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. All five of those fights, I recommend from 249. If you're going to watch any of those fights, watch those five. Those are the top five fights from that card. But if, if I'm going to suggest the three best fights of the card, it's literally Ngannou, Rosenstrike, Cejudo, Cruz, and Gaethje, Ferguson. So let's start with Ngannou and Rosenstrike. It's legitimately only 20 seconds. <sighs> I mean, I don't even know what to say. Francis just looks just scarier. Like... Dude just looks just like I was joking with my brother about it, and we were like, he his thing was like, yo, he just took two leg kicks from Rosenstrike, and just he was like, you know what, I want this fight over, and just Belfort blitzed him, throwing haymakers, and just he one connected, and then next thing you know, he's catching three, four punches. I think no, it was three punches. Because majority of the punches that Francis threw until the left hook that caught him pretty much missed. So Francis, first right hand, then left hand, then right hand, and then that last left hand caught Rosenstrike. He was in a straight line going back towards the fence, got caught right on the chin, went down, and then just Francis went boom, boom, and boom. The Mergadai's like, nope. <laughs> He's like, I'm not letting him die. And like, yo, Rosenstrike was gone. Like, scary gone. And that was the dude, a lot of people were like, yo, Rosenstrike can take Francis. Nah, Francis was literally just like, I googled you. I didn't even know who you are. And I just annihilated you. Like, that man deserves another title shot. Whether it's against DC or Stipe at this point. And we all know if it's DC or Stipe, the wrestling singlet's coming on. Like, there's no stopping that. At all. Like, they're, not, they're like, no. We're, the only person I feel like... Of the three, between DC and Stipe that could really effectively beat Ngannou and take advantage of it... <sighs> DC, in my opinion, at heavyweight, going against Ngannou, 
that that's not a fight that I feel like favors DC at all. DC can grapple, and he's a great fighter, but Ninganu is a monster. Legitimately, his name, The Predator, says it all. Just, when he wants you out of there, he pretty much goes, you're out. Like, you're not stopping him. That's why, overall, I feel like DC... Ninganu would be the worst fight for DC. Stipe is the better fight for DC because DC knows, hey, I've knocked Stipe out. I can beat him. He's like, effectively, you know, Stipe, he's like, I can grapple him, I can do things to him, but a guy in Ninganu, DC, he's going to have to, the only thing he's going to be able to do is he's going to grapple. That's it. Just grapple heavy. That's it. And the fights, it's just, he's got to hope that Ninganu doesn't stuff one takedown like he's done to Curtis Blades or Kane Velasquez or any of the other guys that have tried to take him down besides Stipe. Because even Stipe got hit trying to go for a takedown. And Stipe was just like, nope. Uh, he's got, to quote Joey Diaz, he's got the immigrant mentality. And he just, he went for it. But the fight that I feel like benefits the most for Ninganu between DC and Stipe, DC is the fight Ninganu can take. Effectively, everything that DC has that can be an advantage for him, Ninganu gates with straight raw power and just the fact that your lights can go out. You know, it's, it's the truth. Stipe, in my opinion, has the better chance due to the fact that Stipe's shown he can take one of Ninganu's shots and go. You know, he knows he can take that shot. He has to take it. But, you know, it, it shatters your chin. Because legitimately, who is Stipe's next fight after Ninganu? DC. And got uppercutted. Stipe wasn't seeing it. Got it caught after he got eye poked, got put out. You know, people can argue, oh, well, his chin was destroyed because of Ninganu. You can argue it, but Stipe overall benefits from fighting. He can beat both Ninganu and DC. So both fights are great fights for Stipe, but I don't see Stipe really... I think Stipe can beat DC, but I feel like Ninganu would be a harder fight for Stipe, but I feel like Stipe can pull off the win. While if DC fights Ninganu, nine times out of ten, DC's not taking out Ninganu. DC's catching an overhand, catching an uppercut. He's going in for something. Ninganu sprawls it. He surprises DC. DC goes, "Wait, I'm the best wrestler." He's like, "I'm one of the best wrestlers in the game." You just stuff me. All of a sudden. One up, one uppercut later, he's on the ground. You know, it's a you can sell the story of Ninganu beat Kane Velasquez, the training partner of DC. DC wants a little bit of, you know, he wants to even out the fight. You can make that as a storyline if you really want to. But overall, that you know, Ninganu has to fight for the title next. There's really nobody else. Now, 
for a guy like Rosenstrike, I feel like... I don't think I want to see him rematch a guy like Overeem again. Because Overeem had a great performance last night. And I'll, I'll talk more about that one a little bit. But I'm going to kind of figure out who I feel like they should fight next for this. Uh, who I feel like Rosenstrike should face off against? You know, give Rosenstrike like Volkov. I feel like that would be, it's either Volkov faces Overeem or, and I'll, I'll just kind of answer who I feel like should fight the winner, should fight really just Overeem or Rosenstrike. I feel like that you could rematch Rosenstrike Overeem. Because you can argue Overeem had the fight won until Rosenstrike just had 10 seconds left in the 5th round and just blasted him and just took his lip open. So you can argue that fight. Because Overeem showed like, he's like, no, I'm not going out because Walt Harris hit him like a freight train. Like, watch that fight last night, man. I would suggest that. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Volkov would be a good fight for Jarzinho or good fight for Overeem. If not, I might actually give Olenek Jarzinho because I feel like Olenek's kind of earning more of his stripes towards fighting, you know, more of the top 10, more of the higher ranked guys. So give him that fight. I think it'd be interesting. If not, Give him Rothwell. You can th you can offer up a lot. There there's a lot of different options, but if I'm gonna say the best one for Jarzinho, I would. <sighs> All right. Uh, yeah. No. I'll, so for Jarzinho personally, either Rothwell or Olenek. Those are my top two for him. So that's gonna end that for that one. Pat, uh, Cejudo versus Dominic. <sighs> Great fight for Cejudo, man. He was throwing the leg kicks. He, he was doing the damage. He was doing everything effectively right. And in my opinion, Cejudo just, he did the right things. And he did pretty much a similar game plan to what he did to, to TJ Dillashaw. But what t pretty much what TJ Dillashaw did to Cruz in their second fight. So, realistically... I'm not mad that Cejudo won. You know, a lot of people can call controversial stoppage because Cruz was getting back up. He caught a flunk, he caught a knee to the face. He caught 11 punches back to back, unanswered. I can you can argue that Cejudo and Cruz should fight again. And to me personally, I feel like that's the fight that should happen. But am I mad overall the way he won it? No, because Tenik, you can also argue it the other way. Is the ref protected Cruz from taking more damage? Cruz might feel a certain way about it. But at the end of the day, Cruz all, might have been getting back up. But you took 11 under shots and a big knee to the face. From Cejudo. And it's your job as the fighter... To recover and take the position and show the ref, hey, I'm good. You know, you might be getting up, 
But realistically, there's been other guys who've gotten up but also have stumbled. You can argue Overeem, Jarzino, Rosenstrike. Overeem got back up. You can be like, hey, you know, he wasn't out, but he got up and he, his lip might have been busted open with 10 seconds left. But he stumbled. And that fight was off. So you can argue a lot of different things on it and say, oh, well, you know, Cruz got screwed or Cejudo got it fairly. You can also argue what Cejudo did to Dillashaw. Same way. Where Cejudo did the flunk, did the knee, clipped him, put out Dillashaw. You know, overall, end of the day, Cejudo's best, most effective weapon in the fight game is he's got knees that are just, when he's in the clinch and he catches you with the knee, you're feeling it. And he takes you out. And he's showing he's effectively one of the best combat sports athletes. So, if this truly is his last fight, my thing at the end of the day, and I stand by it, is what a way to go out. Because you went out in a way that only one other man you can compare it to. And you can argue Cejudo might actually be better than that in certain aspects, but I won't. Who's the only other person, MMA fan-wise, that's retired after he made a want, after he still had the title? George St. Pierre. GSP, in my opinion, is a different animal altogether because, in my opinion, GSP, literally, I, like, I read his book that he had. My brother got it for me for Christmas, and it's, to me... A worthwhile read. And it's... It's crazy, but it's a worthwhile read. But, you know... Regardless of what anybody wants to say about it... Cejudo got the win. And at the end of the day... You can look at it one way or the other. But... It's on Cruz, man. You know... Cejudo's best thing he does... Is when you're hurt, he swarms you and he unloads hell. Whether they're the most powerful punches or they're 50%, they still hurt. Even if you ask the ref, let me go out. The ref's got to look at your safety in a different area. You can ask a lot of things of a ref. But at the end of the day, they have to make the right choice. For you as the fighter and for what they see. You know, we all can't hope for a Mario Yamasaki. <laughs> and I'm, for people who are hardcore fans, you'll or who know who Mario Yamasaki is, you guys will probably get a laugh out of that one because <laughs> every time, because I just think of uh, Cerrone versus uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. And it kills me too. Um, he's like, "Where's Where's Mario when you need him?" And Dude, I, I feel so bad because the guy's a good fighter too. Uh, I'm sure I'll probably remember it in a little bit because he's a training partner of uh, Max Holloway. Dude's good. But, you know, you can't all hope for that. So, for that, thank you to Cejudo. I, you know, you got to applause him for everything he's done. For everything he's put his life through to two-division champ, winning gold medals in the Olympics... Dude deserves people's respect. So, put respect on his name and, you know, really be happy for him. Alright. So, I 
to be honest, I I I don't I feel like if I'm gonna have Sudo come back, I would have him fight Cruz. Just being honest. Have them rematch. Just for me personally. Just to kind of give everybody kind of like... Because I was like, oh, I answer who I would have. Ninganu or I'd have... Rosenstrike fight next. Cruz and Cejudo should fight again. I feel like the fight is worthy of a rematch. So I'm going to leave it at that. Gaethje versus Tony. The more I think about it, the more I look at the fight... Gaethje was the more effective striker... They were even in the first two rounds. And then Gaethje just over time kept bombing him. And my thing is... Tony is the toughest dude. He took more damage than most would have. And he, in a lot of ways, he, he didn't lose the fight. The fight was called because of the ref knowing... He, he's done. If he kept letting Tony go, Tony would have died in that octagon. And But that tells you the type of guy Tony is. And that's something that a lot of people need to respect. And at the end of the day, the ref made the right call. Herb Dean made the right call to protect Tony Ferguson. So overall, I think it was the right call. You know, after the third round... You know, Tony really, he was trying to box him. And when you're trying to box a guy like Gaethje, and you're not doing what you should be, and this is not me criticizing, I want people to think about this. When you think of Tony Ferguson, he's great everywhere, whether it's his striking his gra- and his grappling. Everywhere in a fight, he's always amazing. And to be honest, he, he didn't look like he really slowed down that much. You can argue the weight cut, two weight cuts in such a short amount of time messed him up. You can argue a lot of different stuff. But at the end of the day, Gaethje was the more effective fighter. You know, I, was, I, I would love to be like, oh, well, Tony should have went for takedowns. He should have done this. He should have done that. End of the day, you know, it was a great fight. There's a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda. But, end of the day, that's Tony's coaches and that's his team. That's not a ding on him whatsoever for anybody who's going to be like, oh, well, he's dinging his coaches. No. That was their fight strategy. They thought that was the most effective because in round, end of round two, he caught him with an uppercut. They went at the same time. And Tony showed, hey, I can do this. And that's what kept them even. But, Trevor Whitman has Gaethje in such a mode, and Gaethje was in such a good feeling that just things went Gaethje's way. You know, you can argue that he should have went for takedowns, he should have went for, for you know, ankle picks, he should have done a lot more. He should have. Should have, could have, would have. But at the end of the day, we're not the fighter. We're not the coaches. Overall, it was a clinic from Gaethje to Tony, but also showed how tough Tony really is. And to be honest, and this is perfect scenario if you think about it, 
we actually might actually it just let people think about this. Tony sits back a little bit, heals up. Gaethje fights Khabib. Who does Tony get? McGregor. Why not? The fight makes sense. You set up the winner of Tony versus McGregor to face the winner of Khabib versus Gaethje. You can't tell me any four of those combinations, whether it's Tony Khabib, Khabib McGregor, McGregor Gaethje, or Gaethje Tony 2. Any four of those combinations would not sell a pay per view. People can argue, well, McGregor never, McGregor got tapped by Khabib, but McGregor had an ankle injury. His foot was hurt. Oh, well, you know, Tony, he had a bad weight cut. You know, he he got affected that way. That's why he got beat by Gaethje. Then you've got Tony Khabib, the fight everyone wants. And then you've got Gaethje McGregor, a fight everybody also wants. So literally, they actually have the perfect scenario. And I think in a lot of ways... I think the loss to Gaethje will actually better Tony. The same way the win over Tony bettered Gaethje. I think that ultimately the loss may suck for Tony. But you can argue that for both fighters their stock went up. You can argue the fact that Tony's not far from fighting again. From being able to fight Khabib. Or fight McGregor. Getting that McGregor money payday. Or fighting Gaethje again. Because they can have a totally different fight the next time. We don't know. But overall, I think that the UFC can is in a good spot for lightweight money. And I don't think any fight fan would complain of the combination of the four. So I've literally just answered who each should fight next and who should fight who next. And legitimately, I want someone to complain about any of those mixes. Please try. Because at the end of the day, any of those four fights is a pay-per-view level fight. It's worthy of a pay-per-view main event. Alright. So, that's good. I think I'm probably going to speed round this a little bit. Just because, yeah, I'm already at like 43 minutes. So I'm going to speed around this a little bit because 249, in my opinion, was amazing. So, uh, alright. So, Smith to Shara. To me, that was a great fight. That, like, of the three fights, it was a good card from beginning to, beginning to end. But I feel like overall, I feel as though if I'm going to pick the best fights off the card, I would say Brian Kelleher versus Hunter Zier. I would say uh, Drew Dober, Anthony Hernandez is a great one. Ricky Simone, Ray Borg. That is a very good, fun fight. 
That's an underrated fight. So that'd be my fourth fight I'd throw in there. And then I would throw in Teixeira versus Anthony Smith. Now you can argue that... So... Alright. So let's start with... I probably won't give anything for Ray Borg. Ricky Simone. I'm going to leave that alone. So... I'm going to go with... Let's start off with... Brian Kelleher versus Hunter Azur. That was just a great fight. But then again, they're both fighting a weight class above. They're both fighting at their natural weights, more or less. So, great fight for the two of them. I'm not really going to say who they should fight next. Maybe they should rematch. Or maybe they should... You know, Kelleher, in my opinion, is deserving of fighting somebody in the top 15. Or fighting, you know... Somebody in the top 10 of the Bantamweight. So I'm going to leave it that way. This way we can kind of speed round it a little bit. Uh, like I said, I'm not really going to go in depth with who I feel like Ricky Simone and Ray Borg should fight next. Because I feel like, to me, that was effectively a great fight for both. And to be honest, it's fight of the night for a reason. Drew Dober, Anthony Hernandez. I've been a big Anthony Hernandez fan ever since what he did to Benil Dariush. Just, whew, he came in there like a bat out of hell. But Drew Doberman, just, he just he was the better effective striker. Hernan, he was, it shows the level of ability he's gained from training with a guy like Gaethje. So, I mean, it sucks to be Hernandez because right now he is, unfortunately, being pushed down the card. He's He lost his top 15 spot. So now he has to fight for it back. And I think he'll come back from it stronger. You know, he's lost to Cowboy and he's lost to Drew Dober now. Two good stand-up fighters who effectively... They show Hernandez, he has good striking. But realistically, if you get a guy with great technique and some power, you can put him out. So, who do I think Drew Dober should fight next? Oh, gosh. You know what? I feel like Kevin Lee would be an interesting one for him. Kevin Lee or Gregor Gillespie? One or the other. I know a lot of people want him to fight more stand-up guys. And to me, I feel like that'd be smart. But he needs to... If he can get past Kevin Lee... Or get past, you know, Gregor Gillespie. And really beat their wrestling abilities. In my opinion, he's in there. If not, give him Charles Oliveira. But Oliveira is also a dude creeping in. Now, I do know Drew Dober did call out Felder. And to me, that is a great fight. That's a good fight for the two of them. Now, it doesn't put Felder that much closer to a title shot, though. That's the only disadvantage. Which also leads to Felder not wanting to take it. So, I'm going to leave it at that. So, he's got options. Whether it's Kevin Lee, Gregor Gillespie, Paul Felder, or Charles Arvera. Those four would probably be, in my opinion, his best next fights. Alright, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. I mean, Teixeira signed that note, man. I think... I think Anthony had a lot of great things. In the first round, he put a pace on Teixeira. That was just a lot. But unfortunately, his pace 
it got too much for Smith to keep in control and to allow to keep going. For a five-round fight, he ultimately he gassed himself, unfortunately. And Glover, over time, just like it is, man, he's the crafty vet. He put power in them hands and just bombed him. And just kept bombing him and kept bombing him. I mean, it got so bad. Smith was losing teeth. And a lot of people argue that this corner should throw in the towel. In the fifth round, he says, yo, I'm losing teeth here. At the end of the day, like I said, same thing with Tony Gaethje. I'm not the coach. I'm not the ref. But at the end of the day, the fight got stopped. And it was for fighter safety. You know, does it suck for Anthony Smith? I think it does. But I also think that it shows you how tough he can be and where Anthony Smith can go from there. So, I mean, it's a great performance from Teixeira, in my opinion. It is. So, for Anthony Smith... <clears throat> Who would I give him next? Who's a good fight for Anthony Smith that's in the two, top 205 of the division? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with... I'm going to do a dark horse. Corey Anderson. Give him Corey Anderson. It's a good fight for both. You know, it's not a fight that is impossible. Both have their skill sets over one another. And it's a fight that Anthony Smith or Corey Anderson really can effectively win. So, honestly, it's the fight. Now for Teixeira. I, this would be interesting. So, if... Teixeira doesn't, you know, realistically, let's say Teixeira, or let's say that John doesn't rematch Reyes. I would say Reyes fights Teixeira. That's a good fight for the two of them. I think that it's a good fight to show that Teixeira's on a roll, He's beating monsters because before that, you know, Teixeira fought Ion Kutilaba. And Kutilaba is a monster. Like, he is scary. Like, just freak scary. So, to me, like, I would have Teixeira Reyes fight. If Jones doesn't fight Reyes next and fights Jan. Now, if let's say Reyes and John do fight, and Jan decides to sit out, that's where it gets interesting. So, because if I'm to share, I'm not trying to sit out. I've already beat Anthony Smith, so I took his number three spot. If Reyes happens, I feel like they'd have to offer Jan some money in order for him to take Teixeira. 
I think personally, I don't feel like John Jones is going to rematch Reyes immediately. I think he wants to fight Jan. Because in a lot of ways, Jan's... And this is just for me personally, I'm going to throw it out there. Jan's an easier fight for Jones. Jan has power. Jan has submissions. But, oh, actually... Actually, no, I wouldn't have him fight Jan. Snick that. I would have Jan wait. Tiago Santos. Teixeira versus Tiago Santos. Now, I will put it out there, though. If Reyes doesn't get the rematch with Jones, Jan is the easier fight for John Jones. He's got, submit, he's got good submissions and great power. But what does John Jones do? He wins. He literally takes away what you do best and destroys you. That's why John Jones is the greatest of all time. For all the controversies he controversies he has, he is the GOAT. You know, you can, in a lot of ways, man. So that's just how that goes. For that. Um Yeah, because I gotta I don't want this being... I, it's going to be an hour long regardless. So, yeah, that's kind of how I'd settle that. All right. Okay. So, I would definitely say... Yeah, there were some great fights last night. Darren Elkins, Nate Landweir... Rodrigo, uh, I think it's Nesamonte, and Dante Maez. Definitely, I feel like Darren Elkins, Nate Landweir's a good fight from last night. Kevin Holland, Anthony Hernandez, that was a great fight. Definitely, that's one I would check out. And then Miguel Baizea. Uh, yep, I think it's Baizea. And Matt Brown's another one. And the last one I would suggest... Uh, I will throw in there Edson Barbosa, Dan I, and Daniel Aigi. That's a good one. Like like I said, there's a bunch of good fights on each one, and a lot of there will be some decisions, but they're all good. But Edson Barbosa, Dan Aigi would be my fourth, and then Alistair Overeem, Walt Harris, number one. So let's start up with. Let's start with Kevin Holland, Anthony Hernandez. Great performance by Holland. And he just pretty much made a shot to fight at 70. Because his weight cut, and he's just not heavy. He's just getting better. So, for me personally, I think it's a good fight for the two of them. I think that, realistically, they can... They can go for it. I, I like how it's, I like it's a good fight for everybody at the end of the day. So, ooh. So I will definitely say that Kevin Holland definitely deserves another middleweight. Definitely deserves a bigger middleweight. If not, he wants Mickey Gall. So take that out. Now, Isaiah Brown, 
I mean, that was, jeez, Isaiah just, just different, just young gun, man. He definitely, he's got a good future. I wouldn't be surprised if Brown was like, you know what, I, I could retire. And I don't think anybody would be mad at it. But definitely, I, I don't know who I'd want Isaiah to fight next. Definitely, I it would probably end up being another hungry 70er. I can't even think of anybody else to really have him fight. Same thing with Holland and Hernandez. Like, I... They're all really to me like they're all just up and coming, and there's not a lot of top. I don't feel like some of them are as they're getting top 15, but they're not there yet, if that makes any sense. So now you've got Walt Harris and Overeem. Walt Harris blasted Overeem hard, and Overeem came back the end of the first round and just he put it on him, and then second round. You know, Harris tried it again, and then Overeem just overcame, caught him with a head kick, and he just laid down. You know, it's sad that Harris lost, but I feel like the loss will better him. Because you heard, even Overeem's like, no, I want to train with you after. And to me, that shows you how much respect they have for Walt Harris. And you know he's going to get better. I think him training with guys like Curtis Blades or training with guys like Overeem, They'll help better his game. I think he's got a good team around him. But I feel like he needs to better his ground game. So for a guy like Walt Harris, I mean, I guess you could give him Verdum or Rothwell. He's already fought Verdum. But I, Rothwell's also said no to fighting Harris. Because he doesn't, after everything that's going on with all the stuff... He does not want to be a part of that. So, who's another good guy? You know what? Screw it. Walt Harris, Greg Hardy. Do it. Whatever you want to think of it, what I just put out there, that's a that's a good fight. It's a good fight that benefits them both. Either Greg Hardy's going to bigger, because Greg Hardy's not going for a takedown, and Walt Harris, if he comes back as a different animal... I mean, he can take that fight. If not Arlovsky, it's another good fight. Uh, and for Overeem, I think Overeem should fight Volkov or Derek Lewis. I think those are two good fights for him. Because Overeem kind of needs to earn a spot to go back up there. So with that being said, because I know this is pretty much about an hour long, I'm going to close out the Nurse Stuff with Ian 2.0 MMA podcast. You guys have a great day. Thank you.